Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome along to the Rangers Rabble podcast. This is your Rabble Extra show, back to its usual spot on a Wednesday night. My name is Stuart, I'm the host for this evening and I am joined by a stellar group of Rangers fans to talk about all things Rangers. First up, we've got uh, Norwich's hunk of the year three years in a row, that's Ian. Ian, how are we? Oh, you meant me? Right, okay. Well, it's more of a chunk than a hunk. Um, yeah, I'm all good, mate. Um, there's been a very hot day down here in East Anglia. Uh, we peaked out at 30 degrees, and like I said before, I have felt every single one of those degrees today. Good stuff, good stuff. And uh, the Pep Guardiola of the fantasy football world, it's Richie. Richie, how are we? Yeah, well, I, did, I was going to say all good, as I normally say, but I'm, yeah, I'm not, to be honest. I'm Wednesday evening, and I'm still um, still in a bit of a stupor over everything. So, yeah, hopefully we can have a good chat and 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 maybe uh, maybe lift our collective moods. But I'm I'm not so sure. But yeah, it's good to see you all anyway. And it's excellent to have him on tonight because of what we're probably going to be discussing. But the founding member of the the Michael Beale fan club, but say uh, Lewis, Lewis, how are you? Um... Oh, just in a, a pit of absolute despair of long drawn out depression in all honesty um, I don't even know if I'm in the Rangers fan club right now, never mind Michael Beale but <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into that Yeah, so that, well that's sort of set it all up for a, a really cheerful, cheerful show tonight folks but um, obviously folks, glad that you're all watching Thanks for all the comments are already flying in. Um, you know, keep them coming. We'll see if we can get to, to some of them. Um, before we get on to the inevitable about discussing, you know, the, the, the game on, on Sunday, we have to do that and, and the fallout from it. Um, I wanted to have a chat with you guys about maybe a, a story that broke yesterday, but maybe be just because of the way that we're, we're feeling as fans, it maybe just slipped under the, the radar ever so slightly. And this is about... Um, the, the new government proposals about how to deal with uh, away fans uh, attending attending matches. And I thought I wanted to just spend a bit of time on this because I think it's it's a really important topic and uh, that um, I'm a big believer that football fans, regardless of the club, get treated appallingly when, when you're going going to games and particularly when you're you're attending away matches. Uh, and, th- and this proposal um I mean, I had to read it a couple of times because actually I thought it was a bit of a, a, a wind-up uh, to begin with. So if you haven't heard about this, I really want to try and bring um, the, the kind of rules and regulations, standardise that across the, the, the UK. Um, they are draconian, to say uh, the least. Um, incredibly, it seems to have united the whole of Scottish football, which is, that's, I mean, that, that's, that says something, that, that must show how bad they are that they've, um, that, that they've managed to do that. But proposals include um, banning buses from stopping off at a pub 
en route to, to a game unless it has prior permission from uh, the police. Um, if that was the case, then meals have to be bought with, with alcoholic alcoholic drinks. Um, buses can arrive no earlier than two hours prior to kickoff uh, at a location, but have to be there one hour before. So everybody's going to arrive at the same time. It doesn't clearly, there are obviously these plans don't, they foresee that there'll be never any roadworks or accidents or, or breakdowns or anything like that. Um, it, it seems, like I say, draconian. Um, and uh, just another, for me, Ian, another bit of evidence to go about how football fans are treated completely differently from virtually anybody else in society. But if you want to give a comparison, rugby fans, for example, who, you know, be drinking on trains and, and, and so on and forth. You know, I know you've had a, a bit of a look at it. Rangers have came out. Um, what, what's your thoughts on it? It's a ridiculous and, quite frankly, disgusting thing to be doing. Um, I, think, I, I mean, I listened to Heart and Hand and their daily update earlier on, and they, they mentioned things like transmit. I mean, things like that are, are ten times worse with what goes on there than what goes on at any football ground anywhere in the country. I mean, football fans, we are treated like the absolute scum of the earth. But if you are a football fan, doesn't matter if you're a good football fan who goes to the game and just watches and goes home, like all of us, um, you're just tarnished with the same brush. I, I don't see how this can work. I mean, the fact that you've got Rangers, Celtic, all of Scottish football, the women's game, um, the SPFL, the SFA, and even the SMP saying, we don't like this, that's all you need to know. I mean, there's no way we should. this should ever, ever come in. I mean, I used to travel up a long time ago now, admittedly, but I used to travel up with um, the Plymouth True Blue supporters bus coming up all the way up from there. Um, on the way up, we'd go straight up, and that's fine. On the way back, we would stop at pubs, and then we started stopping at pubs on the way up. I mean, what are we supposed to do? I mean, are the police going to come and follow us? To make sure that we go into the pub or don't go into the pub. Who's going to be there to see if we buy um, a meal? I mean, we've got to all buy a carvery before we can um, get a pint, make that in between us. I mean, it's, how are they going to police it in the first place anyway? And who's going to pay for it? Well, we know who's going to pay for it. We're going to pay for it. But I just don't see how it works. And I, I'm quite glad that Rangers were quite quick to come out with a statement about it as well. And, and saying that uh, even on... Is it, is it just away fans or is it travelling fans on buses? Because the way I read it is travelling fans on buses, whether it be home or away. Um, so they said that we've got upward of 200 buses turning yeah. up to Ibrooks. How are you going to get 200 buses to turn up to Ibrooks in that one to two hour window so that everybody's there? And what happens if they're 10, 15 minutes late? Is it, right, you can't get off the bus, stay on the bus, but you can't leave until the end of the game. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know if anyone else can explain it to me why anybody thinks it's a good idea. Feel free, because I don't think you'll find anyone in a in a in a football supporting co uh, country that will tell you that this is good. Yeah, and, and Richie, obviously, yourself and, and Ian, you know, based down south, obviously there are slightly different rules and regulations. You know, some of these rules are already in place down south, but there is a relaxation um, for supporters in that you know you can get a pint at, at the stadiums that we were talking before we came on on air. That you know, I had colleagues up from Newcastle for the, for the preseason friendly, and they they couldn't believe that they weren't going to go to the stadium and be able to to get a pint. They they think they're hard done to because they, you know, they have to have a pint, uh, you know, on the concourse. But when you compare it to, you know, you watch a, a Scotland rugby match, an England rugby match, there they are all sitting, you know, having having beers at the stand, watch watching the game. You know, it, what is it about being a football fan that means that we're seen this way, and you know, we have to be treated differently? You know, the the cup final of the early eighties is a long, long time ago. And actually, by having some of these draconian measures, are we actually encouraging more antisocial behaviour because people will try and find ways around it? Yeah, potentially. I'm like, Ian, I can't get my head around it at all. Like, it's almost um, like a parody when you read it. You know, it's that um, it's that poor. It's it's patronising nonsense. You know, like to say 
um, that you know you, you can't you, you'd have to stipulate where where you're going to stop and um, you can't drink I, I can't it, it just it really pisses me off to be honest because I don't think you, you deal with people that aren't behaving appropriately and let people that want to you know in, enjoy a drink or whatever the wherever they want to to do that you know there's no the we can hark back like you say to instance of the past but ultimately the vast majority of people would um would have their sort of experience enhanced by just being able to get a drink somewhere that's sort of more convenient to the ground and i know like the the fan zone at um new edmondson house has um you know, vastly improved things but you know like you touched on at the start you um in the english football league you can get a pint in any concourse you can't take them out uh, to watch the game but then i've my um sort of local um, national league north side southport football club you can they've got a cart at the side of the pitch there that you can just go and get a drink and you just stand and watch it and it, it's just i don't know i really um as ian said i'm pleased that it's been met with um such sort of a united approach but it's just so um it, it's so ridiculous and uh, and unjustified and in my opinion and it really yeah the patronizing nature of it really annoys me to be honest maybe, maybe it's just my my current frame of mind but you just uh it, it does it it probably that kind of pettiness and being told what to do probably does just encourage people to flaunt rules more because they just there's it, it it's this sense of us and them divide and people are just saying well fuck you i'm just going to do to do whatever i want so um also like there's there's the arriving at the ground what's so no earlier than two hours and no later than an hour before and then leaving no later than half an hour afterwards like that that as well just seems like it it's a logistical nightmare makes no sense whatsoever um like ian said you know wake we've got fans all over the country we've got fans um all over the uk and like it's like you're going to have people like wanting to stop um with their supporters clubs and and enjoy a drink uh in a sociable manner um and you're just going to get pubs with like stacks of carveries and rolls and whatever else all over on one table aren't you it's just it's a complete nonsense but i think it'll probably be chucked out soon enough is, is this kind of the the initial proposal i mean it, it's been met with such united um negativity that i can't imagine it going much further without a bit of a revision and Lewis, just quickly we'll finish up but you know it's been, there's also an impact on you know there are businesses etc that rely on this trade you know let's let's not kid ourselves that you know that there aren't pubs etc on the route up to Aberdeen or you no know, going to Dundee this year that will be absolutely loving the fact that the Rangers will be taking potentially you know x60 buses or whatever it might well be up there and and, and stopping off at their establishments you know it, it it can have a real impact on on local businesses um and, and their 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 standard of living and you know and employing people it's just a, a, an absolute shambles and I've seen some of the comments here you know again just another way of trying to control football fans. I like I don't want to continue to bang the same drum that that's already been um, going on for the the other two guys. It's it's just. The logistics are inconceivable. There's too many issues that this would bring. I mean, like, the substantial meal point, right? Like Ian said, is that a carvery and a shandy or is it a roll and sausage and buckfast? Like, who makes their decisions? And I think somebody else said in the comments, I can't remember who it was, we all know that certain supporter groups will be targeted more than others and that just brings a, a, another whole heap of issues into the game. And I actually done a bit of research and... See, in comparison to, to the English football league, right, the glittering, glamouring, spitting span world of Premier League football, 802 arrests last season, right, which is an increase of about 47% for the, the, the season previous. You've got incidents of disorder reported at almost half of all games across the entire English football league last season as well. And they have these rules in place. So they're obviously no... They're, they're not an effect if, if these statistics are still there. 
maybe the, the, the English league should be getting the same ban that we have because the real thing that is stopping football violence in Scotland, as we know, is the, the alcohol ban in, in stadiums nationwide. It's nothing to do with this. You look at England, like I said, things are still happening. Football violence is still a problem. So there would be absolutely no point in, in enforcing this because it doesn't do it in England and Wales. So what's what's it going to do here? And like you said, about companies, you know, Scotland's a relatively quite sparsely populated nation. I mean, once you go past Glasgow and Edinburgh, it's, it's pretty sparse. And places like Aberdeen and your Peterheads and your coastal cities, they rely on business like this and the finances that they take in for, for supporter buses for the big two in Glasgow. So you're just going to impact the nation more than I think you're going to help it because I don't think there's any actual increase in violence or, or issues related to, to supporters causing trouble at football matches. I just think it, it's so outdated and it's so insulting. It, it's just, after what we've endured for the last like, three or four decades, I just think it, it's totally null and void to even propose something like this. Yeah, I mean, like, hopefully the fact that there has been a united front um, from from clubs and and the authorities in this country to try and push back on it, we'll we'll see that it it, it won't come to to fruition. But let's like see. I think it's it's an important subject to, to to touch on because I do I do strongly feel that as football fans we are treated completely completely differently. But let's let's get to to the actual football then, Ian. I, we I suppose we have to do this. Um, and before we probably yeah. get on to again the the big talking points, um, I want to get your guys' thoughts on um, the news that Rangers were challenged or seeking clarification um, from the SPFL regarding uh, the disallowed goal. It it's, seems to have caused a bit of consternation within the fans that, you know, is this a way of our, our Rangers are just trying to, to hide behind this in terms of, you know, the performance and Sunday, the, the results we've got, what's happening with the manager potentially. Um what camp do you fall? Do you fall in that camp, or do you think that as a club we've got every right to be doing that? Because, you know, personally, I think it was a, a, a scandalous, a scandalous decision. And if we don't react to these decisions, then they'll just keep on happening to us. We've seen over time a certain club have been very good at challenging this and, and, and maybe benefiting from that. So, where, where are you on on the fact that Rangers have done this? I am right behind the fact that they've called it out. No one at the club, including Bill, on the day is using the goal being chalked off as an excuse for why we lost. We should make more noise when things like this go against us because the decision was shocking. I mean, I'm sat in a room watching it with my seven-year-old and my wife's in there. Neither one of them really know what the hell I'm talking about. But I'm going, if that's the way we're going to go forward with football, we might as well just shut the doors, go home, because there's no point anymore. I mean, I didn't see a foul on... Uh, Lagerbielka. I didn't. I couldn't see where they were coming from. The referee obviously didn't see a foul at the time because he never gave it, and it wasn't clear and obvious. So I don't even know why VAR were involved. Um. So yeah, the the club are quite right to go seeking um, an explanation as to why the decision was made. The long term effect it has no effect on the game. We're not going to get the points back. We're not going to play the game again. But the club has to kind of make an issue of it. We can't just quietly and meekly go, well, you know, it's done now. It's about getting the point out there and fighting for the club. And that's what we want them to do. And I think they'd be equal uh, noise going if we didn't. It's one of those strange ones where people are always going to complain that we've done it, but the noise would be louder if we didn't. Richie, I... At the, I mean, at the game, obviously, you know, it's difficult to kind of see. And I, actually, after kind of celebrated for a bit, I, just the way the defender went down, I thought, this will go to VAR. I, you know, I just had that kind of sinking sinking feeling. I've, I've seen some incredible mental gymnastics about th this decision. Um, I don't watch sports scene, but I caught a clip of Charlie Mulgrew, um, I think, trying to make a point, but actually I don't think he realised the, the point he was making. He, he basically said that if Dessers had went down, it would have been a, a foul to to Rangers. Um, but, and so, and and that's what, and he stopped at that point and I thought, you've realised what you're saying there is that, well, because he didn't go down and we played on and we scored, it then becomes a foul to Celtic. Um, you know, I think 
Like, personally, I think the Rangers have every right to seek clarification on this, particularly around about the, you know, is a a, a clear and obvious error. Where are, where are you on on Rangers making a statement and is it papering over the cracks? Yeah, no, they they need to um, make a make a statement. I think it's just unfortunate with the timing that you know everybody's looking at the the official channels for a certain piece of information. Um, so anything that's not related to that um they're going to be a little bit disappointed about at the moment i think it's it's one in a sort of long line of contentious uh, var decisions um that we can look at the thing that really gets me about the whole thing uh, I, I can sort of i'm the same as you i thought you know it's it's likely to to end up going to var like we can we can talk about the reaction of the defender and everything else but I, i'm not that that kind of that gets to the sort of the, the truth of the whole thing, but ultimately that's not really going to necessarily influence how VAR plays out. The thing that really gets me is that the refs made a call. Now it seems to me, whatever the call is and whatever game it is, they head over to the screen, having been given that instruction and they just lose all conviction for what they've previously considered to be the position while they were watching the game live. I think there's, there's, a, there's a handful of examples where, referees have had the bollocks to say no actually thanks for asking me to have a look at that but I'll I'll stick by my um my original point um and at that it just it really gets so it's almost like there's a there's now a culture whereby when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The, the will you take a look at this is essentially you've made a bad call and we expect that to be overturned because that's how it's being played out and um, whether there's pressure on them to do this or if it's just a mentality thing amongst the referees it's certainly something that's playing out and um yeah and it's, it's something that that really need, needs to be looked at because i just don't I, referees just don't seem to have um like very much autonomy at the moment it's any even to the point where when they make a good call, um, yeah, as I say, I'm repeating myself now, but they, they don't have that conviction to follow it through under the current system. Yep, couldn't uh, don't disagree with anything you've said there. And, and Lewis, bad decision or not, it doesn't take away from the fact that Rangers lost on, on Sunday. We find ourselves four points behind uh, already after, after four games, um, two defeats in there, and a, a, a real... Groundswell, I think, of opinion that you know that that from fans that Michael Beale is is potentially not the man to to take take us forward. Now, I know you've been quite vocal about your your views on on that. Um, firstly, do you think the Rangers board will make a decision to to remove Michael Beale from the, as a manager of Rangers during this international break? No, no, certainly not. Um, I think we the most recent. Example we've seen with, with Giovanni Van Bronckhorst that's certainly not going to happen just now. I think about eighty percent of the fan base is intelligent enough to see that this is hiding to nothing with Michael Beale at the moment. It looks very unlikely that many positives are going to come for this experiment. But on the face of it, it is only four points behind, and that's what the board will look at because one game. One, one poor performance for Celtic and, and the whole situation flips and that's a very possible thing and that's also the worrying thing. You know, I've seen CGM make a comment that if we had scored that goal, probably would have won the game and that would have just been papering over the cracks. And I think like we did get pumped off PSV, it was probably a bit of a blessing in disguise because if we had won that game as well, it's just again papering all the cracks. And I think that process is going to continue all season until we hit a real low. I don't see Michael Beale having the, the mentality to change because he really does need to, to rip it up and reform that this whole system. It's not working at all. And... We've spent how much in the summer? He's been backed with nine new signings. He's not going to get the chance to go in January and buy another nine new signings. So he needs to try and make this work. And I just don't have any faith that he's got it in him. I think he's 
he's very early in, in his career. He's an amateur, a novice as a manager, and I think we took him at the wrong time. And I know there was an argument that if we didn't take him, then we might have never have got him. And you maybe could have said he was a, a wonder kid manager, but sometimes wonder kids don't turn into talents. And I, I don't know if Michael Beale was going to, and he's certainly not going to do it here. Um, so I, it's worrying, worrying times. I just don't see any any, any positives coming for it. I'm also realistic to understand that it's probably going to be him in that position for the rest of the season. So instead of moaning about what he's no doing and what like the, 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 the managers that we could bring in, it's not going to happen. It's not a realistic scenario. So just try and focus on maybe him hopefully changing his ways. Yeah, nice wee segue for me there, Lewis, actually, because Ian, okay, so I, I, I agree with Lewis. I, I think the majority of fans don't think that the board will act now. Um, so what can Michael Beale do to turn this around? Is there anything that he can do to turn around? What What are the things for you in particular that are causing frustration when you're watching this Rangers team? I don't see what he's trying to do. That's the biggest frustration. I don't see what we're doing. Um, we don't see him have a style of play. The only thing I see is we're narrow. A narrow game in Scotland, that's not going to work. Not against any of them. Not even me. You're going to go and play away. Our next game's away at St. Johnston. We play narrow. What are they going to do? They're going to stick every single man behind the ball. They'll break up every single attack and just counter-attack. If they're lucky, they'll score and we'll struggle to break them down. We've seen it over and over again already this season. I think coming in after Gio last season, I mean, a lot of people saying, oh, we can't sack him after four games. He's had 10 months and nothing much has changed. He actually, I think at points, he was actually playing better last season than he is now. So I'd like him to come back in and redo some of the stuff he was doing last year. I know he spent money on Lammers and Lammers plays in the same kind of position as Cantwell, but he's also a striker. So play Lammers as part of the striking three and put um, Cantwell where he's supposed to play, where we can get the best out of him. We have quality players. I've been thinking about it a lot um, since Sunday, and a lot of people are saying that this player's rubbish, that player's rubbish. Uh, Dessers is getting a load of abuse. Um, are these players actually rubbish, or is the manager not using them in to the strengths that they have? I think it's more the, the former than it is the, more that Bill's not using them properly. He needs to just rip up whatever plan he's got, start again, bring the width back. Um, there's free agents out there that can that can come in with the transfer window shut, granted, but there are quality free agents out there that you can bring in. Um, someone posted a list on social media yesterday of who's out there. And there's a fairly few fairly decent players. Um, we need to get the width back, start attacking, no nonsense, and stop giving teams so much respect. I mean, Sunday, far too much respect particularly to McGregor in the middle, who's strolling around there like he's some sort of wish.com Scott Brown. We don't no, we don't want that. We want to, we we are in charge. We should do that, and that's what he needs to do. When we come back from the, it's this international break, I want to see him direct, attacking, using the width, and using our players with the strengths that they've got. Richie, building on that then from what Ian said, is this season we've played nine games. That's quite a lot, and a in the first month of a season, but that's the position that we found ourselves in with Euro qualifiers, etc. But there's been nine different team selections uh, and for, for those games. Um, yeah, players starting to build up fitness, etc. But we should surely be past that now. If if the manager is still there, come, you know, we come back from the international break, surely one of the first things he has to do is now get a consistency in that team selection. And as Ian is saying, starting to say to players, you that's your position for the next three games, whatever it may well be, you know, and, and try to, to do it that way. The chopping and changing isn't working. No, absolutely not. No, it's it's he's shuffling the deck too frequently. You know, we've seen... The, all the forward players that have been brought in have been used right across the forward line. Um, we've seen Cantwell used in three different roles. Um, there's, there's just no no consistency. And I think that that's sort of contributing to the appearance of chaos on the pitch. I, I want to see uh, a more stable 
formation um, and personnel used, and then maybe we can start properly assessing and picking the bones out of what he's trying to do because you you can't. I mean, I'm not necessarily. People say, well, Dessas was our sort of marquee signing, and he's on the bench. I, I don't necessarily have a huge problem with that because we did need a number of players, but it, it's just the frequency that he's chopped and changed. I do agree with Ian, but I'm not giving the players a complete free ride here. I do think that they're not being utilised correctly, but there's a lot of like fundamental errors that I'm seeing. Um, you know, the likes of just to pick on a few. Um, you know, it's like speed of ball. Uh, we, we saw a gate in the second leg against PSV, like an inability to uh, play Matondo through, um, like overhitting passes, like going backwards all the time. Play, not you know, and. And Bill said on two or three occasions about, oh, we go into these passive phases in games. And it, like, is that just a fancy way of saying that the players just let the game go on around them and just let the other team dictate exactly what's going on? Because that's, it, to me, it's completely unacceptable. We've got quite a few players that need to be doing a lot more. That's not me saying that they couldn't be enhanced by uh, being played in a more... Um, in a way that sort of suits their attributes better um, and more consistently. I mean, we saw to, like to, a perfect example is like how many times did Cantwell find himself in the right back position covering Tav? And it's like, like what? Yeah, we do need somebody to do that if we're playing with progressive wingers. Um, you could argue how progressive Tav is now, but it's surely it's not going to be Cantwell. Jesus Christ! Like, what? What on earth is he going to do? Like bringing the ball out from right back, you know, these kind of things. So I'm not going to rewrite history. Like I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid and I was all for it, you know, going and looking in the players' eyes and having the chats and I was loving it pre-season and oh, this is amazing and he's going to be building up this relationship with the players or run through walls for him. But he, you can make a narrative because it's just what you desperately want to see, I think, a lot of the time. But I think nine games is a reasonable time to make a, a fairly sort of justified assessment on how things are. Um, and that's, you know, obviously not very good at all, but I do agree with what Lewis said earlier. There's, I'm getting a bit bored of talking about potential managers because there's absolutely no chance whatsoever, in my opinion, that he's going to be punted. Um, we'd have to lose more points and 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 carry on playing the way we are for for a good five or six games before that happens. Um, I don't really believe, rightly or wrongly, it, that the like fan power at clubs now, particularly like elite European sides, I'm not sure that the board will be as interested in sort of the general fan opinion as we might like to think. Um, and that's probably a damning indictment on football clubs being run as businesses. Uh, but that's probably for another pod. Um, so, yeah, um, for all those reasons, I think we're going to he, – he's going to be given a chance to to get things right or not, whether we like it or not, and we're going to need to see whether he's able to um, adapt um, and get things going in a better direction. I personally, at this point, I, I, I haven't seen enough to be able to make a case for that, um, but it's hard because – like I find it quite difficult, like not to back managers, and then sort of I can't really detach them from the team and the club. So like if if I'm watching, and if you think if you're actively sort of wanting Bale out, it, it's hard then to think. Well, it's like Lewis was saying with like is the five one a blessing? It's like it's just a really sad state of affairs, isn't it? Because it's the last thing that any of us want to see. But if if all we can see is an inevitable sort of limping to uh, Christmas. Um, at which point we could be, you know, double figures behind, um, and in some kind of, you know, maybe finishing second in the Europa League, and then we'll have a, a playoff game to contend with. So yeah, I, I can't bring the same level of positivity that I usually like to, but whether we like it or not, I think we're going to see how he responds um, over the next couple of months. And I, I'm probably in the same same boat as you. You know, I, I wasn't one that was standing on top of a rooftop shouting for Beauty goal. But that didn't mean that I wasn't going to Ibrox and not leaving a bit disappointed or disappointed with what I'm seeing. You know, I I can I can read a game and stuff like that, and I I, he, I don't think he's helping himself loose in certain situations with some of his his well, team selections. 
you know, I, I you know, I think we're we we were all happy to see that the, the squad got overhauled and he brought in these new players. And then we're not really seeing many of them. You know, I, I, it does seem strange that you, whether it's six million or it's less, but we spent a decent amount of money on Danilo. We've just played our two biggest games and he's on the bench. That, that you know, that does seem strange. What What's going on there? Comments like, and I said uh, during the first half at, to the people sitting around me at Ibrooks, we're at least 15 yards too deep here. Now, Bill comes out after the game and he talks about the fact that we were too deep and we rectified that at half-time. I, I, I struggle to understand why we can't just rectify that during the game. <laughs> you know, how difficult is it to scream at John Sutton and Conor Golson and, and say, get 15 yards further up the park? You know, it, so those wee things, I don't... I, I want to ask you, Lewis, is there a chance that he's overthinking things too much, Michael Bill? Um, you know, I've got so much swirling about it in my mind and about, about okay, this Lewis, I'll tell you why I'm saying that and asking you that question. I heard a really good point today, which was someone saying that, is he like the new guy at work who's just a bit scared? He kind of knows that things aren't probably going well, but just a wee bit too scared to kind of speak up and, and, and do that, whereas actually what he needs to do is let the He's talked about letting the hand break off. And, you know... Is there maybe just a bit too much overthinking about formations and where he plays certain players? You know, play players in the right positions and tell them to go and play football. Am I being too simplistic? No, no. I, I do think it is more complex than that because I think it's, it's you're slightly correct in the fact that he probably is overthinking it tactically because this is the guy that was, was lauded. I mean, you know, Emmy Martinez came out in an interview that's relatively famous saying that he was the mastermind at Aston Villa and we heard the same when he was at Rangers that he was the genius behind Gerrard and Gerrard had the mentality and the bite and when you culminated that together that's why we had success but you're missing one massive component and that's the fight because I don't think he's a strong mentality type of character and that trickles down into your squad you talk about, you know, the, the, the one comment that really, really gets to me, and I'm going to heart back onto the, the point that Richie was talking about, about it's not the players, it's the manager. It is 100% the manager and not the players. It bugs me so much when I see people label James Tavernier as just a serial loser. Do you know what? See, by facts, he is a serial loser. But do you not think that man's football and ability deserves more than what he's got at this football club? For where he came from, to having the first bit of success with Gerard, and because we were incompetent and had two consecutively poor managerial appointments, he is now a captain that will never be thought of in the high echelons of your football club when really his talent and his ability deserves to be there. And suddenly Conor Goldson's the worst centre-back in the world because he's had two or three bad games. Is it no a, a bit difficult to conceive that it might be the manager and not the players? Because I fully believe that we've got a squad that's good enough to... to Win 10 titles, 11 titles, 9 titles, whatever, however many titles you want, as long as they play, because they're good enough football players. But when they're asked to be to be in positions and play systems that they're more comfortable with, you know, unfamiliarity breeds mistakes. When you're in a position that is unfamiliar to you, you're going to be more conducive to make mistakes in that position. If you played Alan McGregor up front, he probably wouldn't score many goals, would he? So why is Todd Cantwell being asked to play as a defensive midfielder? Why is Cyril Dessers being brought in to be a number nine when he's clearly a lot more capable of linking the player than scoring goals? You know, start asking yourself these questions. It's not a fact that Tavernier's a serial loser. He's 32 years of age. Obviously, he's not going to be capable of doing the athleticism side of the game that he used to be. But that's about a manager realising that that's a weakness that we need to try and avoid letting show and try and just show his positives. And that's done to the manager. You know, people talk about things like John Lundstrom being a poor, poor footballer. He's not a poor footballer. He just, he's not good enough to be a number six. He's not got the passing range. He's not got the vision. He can't dictate the tempo that way. He's a good athlete and he's good at getting in goal scoring positions. So you play him further up the park. And it was the same with Gio and it's the same with this manager. So it just pisses me off when I see that loser mentality thing because it is so unfair on the footballers when he's gave like he's probably going to be here for a decade. And Tav's just an example, but there's plenty of players that get flung under the bus when it's just unfair. 
you know, Cristiano Ronaldo only, you know, Messi could have been in Rangers for the past fucking three years and we wouldn't have won it. And... Yeah, look, to I think, yeah, you've, you've got fair points. I think some of the reaction um, has been OTT in certain elements or in certain players. Um, I think Dessers in, in particular, you know, it actually is quite toxic at Ibrooks when it comes to, when it comes to Dessers. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think he's been by far the worst, but, you know, I I, I do I have some sympathy in, in terms of manager. I, I thought on Sunday, for example, there was a lack of composure from some of the players, you know, I, I particularly in that final third. So they became, a, it was a bit of panic stations, et cetera. Um, one instant particular, Ryan Jack, who I thought had a really poor game, actually, Ryan Jack, but, you know, takes a, takes a shot in his left foot when, you know, he holds the ball for a couple of seconds more and slips a five-yard ball in. Red Van's making an overlap. You know, it's just that, just taking a second and a bit of composure and thought about, right, where am I, what's going on here, and making right decisions. And they're making a lot of the wrong decisions. Now, some of that, granted, could come from the manager. I think some of the players are making are making poor decisions as well. But, Ian, I'll, I'll bring you back in, in terms of carrying on from what Lewis, Lewis is saying. Um, I, I don't, I can't believe for one second that Michael Beale didn't think, and he, I mean, he would have been working on this from very, very early on. What his plans were for the for this that summer window. I mean, he could do a bit of business in January. I think we all agreed at the time that was like a great bit of business in terms of Cantwell and Raskin coming in for the the money we paid. But there would have been some long term planning going on for actually who he was buying, and. I would have thought how we were going to play and if he had everybody fit, what his start, best starting 11 would be. I, I'm not convinced. I don't think anybody in this pod could say what Rangers' best 11 is at the moment. I'm not sure Michael Beale could. And I, again, that's why, as someone who likes to back the managers, I am really struggling to back him at the moment because I don't think he's helping himself. No, I don't think he knows his, his best starting 11. and. Uh... That, that's projected into the fact that he has made so many changes game in, game out, game in, game out since the season started. Um, I think we had a more settled team during uh, pre-season than we've had during the season since we've, we've come, uh, come back to actually playing the, the official stuff. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Like you said, you haven't count well out there helping Tav in the, in the right back position. That's what Jack does. That's what Candace did before him. And that's what we miss, someone like that who would help Tav. And that's why Tav comes under a lot of pressure now, because he doesn't have the backup that he used to have. I wholeheartedly agree with Lewis. I mean, Tav, two seasons ago, I'm, not, I'm just going to go back on it quickly, two seasons ago, that man pretty much, I mean, the top goal scorer in the Europa League. He dragged us through certain games to get us there. So he doesn't have a loser's mentality. He does have a winner's mentality. Just unfortunately, collectively, as a team... We haven't had enough of that to drag us over the finishing line. Last season, he dragged us over, got us close to beating a few teams by himself. So I'm with you on that one, Lewis. So just backing you up, mate. Um, and just on that, just on that, Ian, just before, just because we're talking about Tav, I do think as a fan base, we need to absolutely relax about press conferences and you know what players say. If, if if Tav is asked, are you happy with your form? And he says, yeah. You know, I think we I think we we can understand that he's 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 probably himself realizing he's not hitting the heights that he once was. But if he was to just turn round and say, no, I'm playing absolutely shite. I can't believe the manager's still picking me. It's un, it's unreal. I'm getting away with it. You know what? What do we expect him to say in that? And it goes the same with the managers. I do I do think as fans we need to take a step back from press conferences and interviews right after the games because they actually mean fuck all in in my opinion and I think there was a lot made of Tav's comment which again was just blown out of proportion but sorry I just wanted to get that in sorry I cut across you 
I mean, three years ago, I could do things that I can't do now. Guarantee you. I mean, I can barely stand up now. Three years ago, I could get off the floor nice and easy. Can't do it anymore. Um, I, I don't think Bill knows his best starting eleven. He needs to come up with it quickly because time is running out. Uh, I think the board have the League Cup as the as the kind of olive branch to the fans currently that we could win that because obviously we've got a better chance because the other lot are out. I'm not overly confident at the moment that we will, but they're probably holding that as an olive branch. If he does not win that, then it'll be gone, I think, in my personal opinion. But we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. So he needs to sort out his starting 11. And as you said, just pick a team for three, two or three weeks and go, right, that's your position. Make it your own. If you can't do it in the next three games, I'll take you out and put somebody else in. That's the way he does it. Richie, then, we're saying that we don't expect the manager to be moved on. But given the groundswell of opinion that appears to be there, given how Ibrooks reacted at full time, given the fact that I think this is built up, not just because of what we're seeing right now, but because of what we've seen over number of years and the lack of trophies, etc. So I think, it, you know, it, this is a bit of a snowball effect. Are we kicking the can down the road? Because to me, Unless Michael Beale goes undefeated between now and beating Celtic at Parkhead, I don't think it matters now if he wins the next five or six games on the trot because if we were to lose the seventh, I think we're just back to where we are and the fans will, will be demanding. Where are you on that? Are, are we just kicking the can down the road? Yeah, it's hard to argue um, otherwise at the moment. I think when you look at what he would reasonably need to do to start gaining um, some kind of popular opinion in his favour, um, as you've just laid out there, you know that all, that that run of results coupled with probably topping the Europa Group, it's looking like quite an unlikely scenario between now and Christmas, isn't it? When you consider where we are at the moment, and I think it's been mentioned, you know, uh, across some of the sort of Rangers media, but it's it's that way where he could win six games and then as soon as we drop points, it just, everyone's straight back again because things won't necessarily have changed. Like we, it is possible that we'll, we'll win our next um, five or six games, um, even with some of the problems that we've highlighted. It's also likely that, that we may not, but I think until... As, as well as results, people will need to sort of buy into some kind of a, I don't want to use the term philosophy because we seem a little bit too far down the road for that, but some kind of structure, something that people can get behind, more consistent team selection, players being played in positions that gets the best out of them. That That's really the only way that um, things will start coming around. And you know, unfortunately, as we sit here uh, during the international break, there's not very much evidence to make a case for that so on that basis i'd have to say i think we probably are kicking the can down the road um but i'm also i i didn't even like straight after the game on sunday i didn't think for a second that the the board were going to pull the trigger um it, it just didn't seem to me that that was going to happen um and of course it might be the case that they're looking at you know potential alternatives in the background um, but things can't carry on as they are. Uh, either a combination of like results improving um, and our kind of style of play and players' form, um, or yeah, the the inevitable is is going to happen. And I think my my prediction is probably that we we might go on a run of three or four games. Um, you know, we'll see glimpses of what we saw um, uh, Livingston at home and, and Ross County away, but then there'll always be. Um, we'll end up sort of slipping up, I think, you know, uh, dropping some uh, points away from home. It's it's not um, a given that we'll, uh, we'll beat St. Johnson either by, by any stretch of the imagination. So I think this is going to be a, a constant debate between, um, between now and Christmas. And if people are frustrated now, um, I should imagine that there's going to be more frustration ahead if we continue to drop points. Uh, but they, I, I, I didn't actually think that the boards were going to act at the uh, time when, um, they sat Geo, so what do I know, of course, but that, that's just my take. I think we're in for a little bit more frustration um, unless we see a, a completely wild turnaround, but I can't 
I can't make a case for that um, on on what I'd seen. Just on on Lewis's point earlier, I mean, I I, I do back him up as well. M- my comment in relation to the players was more just kind of minor form issues and the intensity rather than you know the kind of se- serial losers. Um, I think that's a, a title that's banded about far too freely in times of frustration. But uh, yeah. That's, uh, so yeah, my takes probably will will limp limp towards um, Christmas, and then yeah, we can try and salvage whatever's left of the season after that. But it's yeah, it's just thoroughly depressing, really. When as I'm saying this, but I can't um, I can't put a positive spin on it. I, I really can't, and I have tried just to get myself out of this mood that I'm in. No, and, I, and I think you're right, Richard. I think you would be, you know. <laughs> You know, I think we would be getting heavily criticised if we if we were trying to be positive because that's not we're not all feeling that. You know, we we are all disappointed, and then, you know, and I think we should all remember that that we are all trying to pull in the same way. What we want is success, success for Rangers. Um, you know, and yes, we'll have different opinions about different things, but ultimately, that's that's the goal for us. And Lewis, then, if I could give you a wee magic wand and you could wave it about a bit. What would you what would you be liking to happen? You know, obviously you said your your own opinion that you would like the manager to be to be moved on. Have you have you got your eye on anybody? I mean, but we're already seeing rumours flying about. I, I'm slightly concerned, you know, of what I'm seeing again on social media from from fans, you know, we want Muscat and all that. I'm I'm not convinced that these people have any real insight into what Kevin Muscat is as a man. Maybe they do, but I'm not convinced that everybody does. Um, you know, there's potentially we're just falling into a bit of a trap. Well, he's an Australian. He's managed in Japan. That seemed to work for them. Surely it'll, it'll work here. It doesn't always work out that way. But is, is there anybody, you know, that, that you think that the Rangers board should be going on? Or is it more a manager who has a, a defined style that you're looking for? Uh, well, t- to be honest, like I said earlier, I think that this point is 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 no because it's no it's not a realistic outcome. But in terms of a manager, do you know what worries me? Uh, in terms of who we look at in that appointment, is it's as if we just look at things that are are on social media or are just involved in Scottish football. Like we always hark back to Rangers men. Or we hark back to a manager that that's hot at the time, or we look to somebody that's even related to Ange Postecoglou because he had success success here. Why is there not a department within Rangers that solely looks and analyses at the best possible candidate and thoroughly goes through each and every candidate to find the quintessential man for the job? Because the last two appointments certainly prove that to not be the case. And I could be proved wrong. There is a department like that, and maybe that does happen with my knowing because I don't work for Rangers. But it certainly doesn't seem like that. And you're seeing that the, the like the Kevin Muscat is like, come on, man, have a bit more ingenuity, have a bit more creativity. Look elsewhere. Football doesn't just exist with links to you. It does exist out with Rangers and out with Scottish football. So that's the only thing that, that, that bugbears me. And again, like I said, I just think it's unrealistic. So talking about appointments and possible candidates, it's just not going to happen this season for me. Stuart froze. Well, while he tries to sort himself out, I'll chuck in. I don't care if, if Bill goes, right? So Bill goes tomorrow. Right? I don't care. If the next manager that comes in, the first time that he heard about Rangers was when we phoned him and asked him if he wanted to be manager. As long as he can play a style of football that makes us win, win the league, which is first and foremost. The Cups are great, but the league is first and foremost. And plays a style of football that gets us off our seats and wanting to support the team more and more and more and more every week. Not because we're angry and we want them to win, but because he knows how to make the players play and he knows how to get results. Other than that, I don't care if he's just landed on the planet and he's never heard of us before. You're back, Stu. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, you know, look, I, I, I've, I've picked up the majority of that, but Ian, then, I think the club have done 
some good things in terms of like Bizgrove, the, the fan engagement sessions. The next one of them, by the way, which I think is just around the corner, should be interesting. That you know, getting a ticket for that could could be sweet. Do we need to hear from the chairman? Um, because we haven't. We haven't heard from him. I don't think he'd be shy. I think if if it was requested, I think Bennett would be there to talk. I don't think he would do a park and hide away. Um, I think he would come out and talk. I know he's I, a very... I'm slightly surprised. I'm slightly surprised, Ian, that we haven't heard more from because I think he's a really good communicator, John yeah. Bennett. You know, and he was the man that came out because Park wasn't wanting to do any of that. He was the one that, that did come out to, to do them, and I, I do think he speaks well. I do believe he is a Rangers man, by the way. You know, he's retiring from a, a very successful job to to be. No, don't get me wrong, he's very wealthy, but to become the, the Rangers chairman full-time and stuff like that. So, you know, I I believe he's got Rangers' best interest, but I am surprised that we haven't heard from him. And I, I wonder if, that, again, just at this moment, we, we need to hear from a Rangers man. And I, I'm not having a go at Bisgrove, but I hope that makes sense. He's the chairman of the club for, for you know, and I think he'd be more local. The thing is, we had... When we had Murray as a chairman, he was more than happy to come out and have, have his, his, his little his box and stand and say a few words and have this and have his opinion on this and that. It's not very often you actually hear from, from chairman of football clubs anyway. Um, but yeah, Bennett, I mean, he's quite a cutthroat man from what I understand from business. Obviously, he works in, with money, um, so it's a different ball game altogether. But um, he makes decisions quite he- – well, was making decisions, quite hefty decisions in his previous employment before he retired – um, I think if it was requested, I don't think he would shy away from it and he would come. Um, if he's got something to say, it wouldn't surprise me if he was actually there at the next fan engagement. I'd like I'd like him to come out and talk, but I do think that uh, that, that most of the time they'll probably just leave it to, to Bisgrove, who in himself isn't afraid to, to take the hard-hitting questions either. Um, I get the difference between him being a Rangers man and getting a Rangers man to be a manager. They, they, they are two separate things. Um but yeah, I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me. I just don't expect it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Before we finish up, then, Rich, I just want to know some of the news that was kind of breaking today about Borna Barisic and, and potentially, um, you know, Zagreb being being in for him. Um, you know, I would find that a strange one. You know, people have obviously got their views on Borna. There's again some suspicions about the fact that. You know he wasn't fit for Sunday, but now he's fit for 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 Croatia. I'm I'm, I'm not sure we can. It's as simple uh, as that. Um, you know, that injuries can get better. You know, you know people can be unfit. You know, I, I, so I think we we need to be careful about casting aspersions like that. But would you be surprised if Rangers entertained, um, you know, a, a potential move from from Zagreb now, um, given you know, that we've read Van, we, we've not really seen what he's what he's capable of, injuries, we've got Sterling, but, you know, I think it's clear now that he's not probably, he can he can play a role there, but he's not he's not going to get up and down the, the flanks for us. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on Borna and that, that's a great runner? Yeah, I would be surprised if we um, entertained a, a move for him at this point. I don't think there's, um, yeah, particularly strong cover. I'm, I'm, I'm still of the opinion that Sterling's much more suited to the right-hand side, just based on where he's played throughout his career. Um, but of course, at the beginning of the season, I sort of had um, Ridvan in my starting eleven, so it was only because of the injury, really, that he's not had a good um, opportunity to to show himself this year. Um, I know they. A lot of fans are quite down on him at the moment, and I can understand why because he's got previous for sort of not standing up in games and and this kind of thing. But I, th- there's a few facets to this. I mean, one, Beald sort of declared him fit. Is that definitely correct? In in the first place, we're kind of assuming that 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 was that was correct. He could have been you know saying anything. Um, but then of course, when you do have, it's like anything like in your. It's, 
in your workplace or or wherever if you're if you're known as a bit of a shit house then you know it's, people won't give you the same kind of um, benefit of the doubt will they you know in the same way as if you're if you're sort of a straight up guy then you'll tend to get the benefit if something goes on um, and I don't think it would be any different on the on the football field it's kind of come from nowhere for me um I started seeing it this morning um last year of his contract which like so we're we're walking into another scenario where we're um we're, we're waving goodbye to somebody for for no transfer fee uh, unless of course he signs an extension so no I don't know I'd be surprised if he were um would be allowed to go uh, but of course it depends on the on the fees and everything else and or whether he's likely to sign an extension I don't really have enough information, I suppose, to, to make that call. But from, from what I know, I'd, I'd be surprised at this point. Yeah. And we've been joined just at the tail end by the boss man. Is this breaking Barisic news? I wish. Um, <laughs> I heard your question there, Stuart. And you said, you know, I think I think your, your words were, you know, we need to be careful what we say with regards to obviously the injury um, situation. Um, well, I wasn't careful. I put out on social media exactly what I think of Borna Barisic. Um, and it was, this isn't just a one-time thing, that he has had a, a slight knock and then all of a sudden he's he's fit and fine to play for Croatia. Um, or he comes off the park if he's having a, a bad game. He's went through too many periods where he's been off for him. He has not shown... He is a quality player when he's up for it. Nobody puts in a cross ball. Like I don't Gordon think Martin. anybody's doubting. I don't think anybody. I think we've, we're all in agreement, Martin, that you know he's had up and downs in terms of his form. I mean, I went for a run this morning. I get five minutes into it. My calf went. It's not my calf's pulled. I've just got cramp in my calf. Now tomorrow morning, I, I by the way, and I had to limp up the road. Tomorrow morning, I could wake up and think, you know what? I could go for a run. Bet you a couple of minutes into it, it would go. It would go again. I think we just have to be careful. You know, I've seen people saying he pulled a hamstring. We don't know he pulled a hamstring. You can get cramped. because the Croatia manager said it's not that serious. He's fine to play. So how can you go from not able to play on Sunday for the Croatia manager to say whatever knock he had isn't that serious? Steve is not that serious, right? And we have got issues in that position. Because Yilmaz is clearly not fit enough, and we have to throw in a young boy, Sterling, who's not even a left back. See if your injury isn't that serious. You play the fucking game. You don't sit out. You don't make out as if you cannot play. If you can then go and join up with your Croatia side. See, as far as I'm concerned, Borna can stay in Croatia. I don't want him back at my football club. I don't think that he's got the minerals to be a Rangers player. He doesn't turn it on. Anywhere near enough. We waited 18 months for him to hit a bit of good for him. And then he played well for about three months. And then he went back to the old Borna. And then he came back there, played, what, two months, maybe a month? Maybe three games, four games? He played well. And now all of a sudden he's off injured that he can go away with Croatia? Nah, I'm sorry. Sure, I'm done. But who's to say that he's not... Um, like the, What, because the Croatian boss is... And he doesn't even get in the Croatian starting 11, by the way. So just because the Croatian boss has said, oh, he's fine. Like, what are we basing that on? It just feels like we well, don't have enough information. History, history. History. No, I, I know, I, I get that. But it just feels like we don't have enough info. But Phil <laughs> said in the plenty, press conference that he was available for Sunday. Bill said he was available for Sunday. And Bill, Bill said he was available. Yeah. But then but then yeah. something could happen. You know, <laughs> they did training and stuff like that. You know, and like I say, I think we're just talking, uh, we don't know any of these facts and we're just assuming things. And I, I think... But there's well, evidence there to assume, sure, that's the issue. Mm. There's evidence there to assume that he's a shite bag. That was my thing when I saw that he could go there. That was it. Now he's a shite bag. Let him go. So that, that's where I stand. My answer was going to be really short on that. So shite bag, he can go. That was all. And I've had a long day at work and it was very, very stressful and I'm tired. <laughs> I'm jensen that. But while you're here, you can, uh, you can do the job of uh, letting folk know what's coming up over the rest of the international break. Not much. Um, we have the we've got a show previewing the Scotland game. That's tomorrow night at half past seven. Um, I know not everybody 
is that into Scotland, but um, well, that'll make everybody that, happy in this chat. I get well, <laughs> you know, we could actually probably be talking about a successful team for a change. Exactly. Um, so, um, that'll be tomorrow night at half past seven, and then we'll be back, I think, a week today with Rabble Extra. No phone in on Monday. Um, unless, uh, listen, if something happens in the Rangers world, we'll be back. But um, failing that, then we're all going to take a wee break. I think it's needed. I think a break is needed for everybody. Um, so we'll probably be back next Wednesday. Failing that, the phone will definitely be on um, a week on Friday, obviously heading into that um, St Johnston game. But I think a break is what everybody needs. Not half, yes. Um, and on that note, folks, um, thank you very much for for watching. Thanks for all the comments, which have well, they were they were already started way way before we even we went live. Um, but that just leaves me, lads. Look, I think these aren't easy pods to do. Um, I, so I do appreciate you giving up your your time and you're in the firing line a wee bit. And you know, it's we're all like I said before, we're all suffering. We all want the same thing. We want Rangers to be successful. So I do appreciate it. So Ian, thanks very much for for your time this evening. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. It's uh, been quite cathartic for me. I've been waiting to get some stuff off my chest. Excellent. Lewis, I appreciate that, mate. Cheers, mate. And Richie, thanks a lot. Yep, cheers, Stuart. Folks, thanks for watching, and we'll speak to you next time on Rabble Extra. Cheers. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.